Well, there isn't a moment where God is not worthy of our praise. So it's with that attitude that we come this morning, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture under the care as his flock. And so we rejoice in that. Welcome this morning to our New Peninsula online service this morning. We're so glad that you join with us today. One of the things that's happening in our broader society at the moment uh, is what many people are calling polarisation. Uh, and what's happening is that it seems like we're losing this ability to have a respectful discourse, to be able to disagree with others, but in a respectful way. And we're seeing this come out and play very much so in the social media space, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter or one of those other platforms. What's really noticeable is that people are just going for it and expressing their point of view and not really listening, not really engaging and expressing the point of view in a way that is forceful at best and often rude and sometimes really unhelpful. Now, it's really interesting. One of the things I've noticed since moving to the peninsula as I've engaged in some of the different social media platforms is how even amongst some of the local groups on social media, if someone happens to say just one thing a little bit wrong or something like this, then it's like there's this pile on that happens. And we probably wouldn't say those things to each other's face, but it seems like behind a screen, we're very happy to put it out there and go for it. But there's this polarisation that's happening. Uh, one of the things that the, the researchers are talking about is that we're, we're increasingly becoming part of what they say are epistemic bubbles. Now, epistemic bubbles are, 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 is a bubble that cre is created around us where we're only taking on board one particular aspect or point of view around an issue. And social media is set up for this because there's algorithms in place there that if we click on a certain link or look at a certain thing, then the social media platform knows that that's something that we're interested in and it's just going to keep pushing more and more and more of that type of link, of that type of view. But it's not just social media where this is happening. It's something that's happening uh, as we go and seek out news and other items ourselves. We, we often are starting to have this tendency where we're going towards things that reinforce a point of view rather than oppose it. Not a bad thing in itself, but I, I guess I've made it a practice of mine, whether it's on social media or in just other, other ways online, of, of always trying to make sure I'm looking at an opposite view. I actually think that's a, it's a good thing to have your views challenged and out of that challenge, uh, your views either change for the better or, or you have more resolve, they're strengthened, they're, they're refined a bit in the challenge. It's not a bad thing to be taking on the opposite view. Today we're continuing our series in Colossians. We're in Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 to 20. Now, this little passage, it's really easy to miss this, actually, especially the way the NIV and most other translations describe the passage, or at least place it in the context, is that it's, it's actually a poem that Paul's writing here. And, and when we read it, we, we often miss that because it doesn't rhyme, especially in our English translation. And, and so therefore, we, we don't see the poem. And, and there's a great beauty in the writing here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 20. In fact, arguably, this 
particular piece of writing could be placed alongside some of Paul's other great pieces of literature. And I'm thinking particularly of Philippians chapter 2, where Paul writes this poem around Christ's humility, how he came and dwelt amongst us. He he lowered himself in order to do that. And it's a a brilliant poem. I I think of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and and some of Paul's soaring writing on love. Uh, There's some great, Paul's an incredible writer actually, no doubt inspired by God, but sure there must have been some natural ability there that God used as well. And I believe in this passage, we're we're seeing it again. Uh, Let's have a look at it. 1 Corinthians, sorry, not 1 Corinthians, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 20. Let's have a look. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now this poem is a poem of three stanzas. And the way that I've placed it on the screen highlights what these three stanzas are. And so you've got your first stanza, which is in verse 15 to 16. And Paul talks about how Jesus is the firstborn, the firstborn over all creation. And then you've got your third stanza, which is the the second part of verse 18 through to verse 20. And and again, Paul mentions the fact that, that Jesus is the firstborn here. And that he is supreme and he speaks to what Jesus had come to do by shedding his blood on the cross for our salvation. So you have your first and your third stanza and they're, they're linked in a way. In fact, they're, they're not repetitious, but they're dealing with similar sort of themes. We can see that, especially around the word, this use of the word firstborn or, or, or beginning to describe the work of Jesus. In fact, Jesus is described often as the Alpha and Omega. And we see this in this first and third stanza here. We see, see the work of the Alpha, the work of the beginning, the creation of the world. And then at the end of the third stanza, we see the work of the, the, the omega, the, the end, the, the end result, which is salvation and life, full life in him. But, but in poetry and, and the way this often works is that uh, the first stanza, especially in a three stanza poem, the first stanza and the third stanza will frame the second stanza, the middle one. And that's what Paul's doing here. And so the first stanza and the third stanza point very much towards this second stanza, this brief little passage here. And so Paul is trying to frame this. He's trying to highlight that the words of verse 17 and the first part of verse 18 here are actually what he's really wanting to say. These are the important part of the poem. This is the climax, if you like. This is the real highlight, the big idea that Paul wants us to take. In fact, these words here in verse 17 and 18 actually point us towards the rest of the book of Colossians. The rest of the book of Colossians builds on what Paul is saying right here. He is before all things and in him all things hold together and he is the head of the body, the church. 
And when I think of this passage, and I think of that which I started today with, this idea of the polarisation that's happening so much in our world today, uh, I think this actually speaks into that, and it speaks into it in two ways. The first one is that we are to elevate Christ above all things. We are to elevate Christ above all things. This week I had the, the great privilege of sitting down with, or it was over Zoom, a, a couple of the a missionary couple that we support, Kim and Dave Zovac. Now, Kim and Dave are based in America at the moment, but they once were part of our church attending uh, a, a number of years ago. Um, their kids came up through the Sunday school and youth group, and um, they were a really important part of our church. They, they, they were involved in starting what is now the Christian Coaching Institute, which we have a, a few members of our church a part of and they're involved in. It's um, a great couple, but, but when their kids were sort of in that late primary school, early teenage years, that they left Australia and went to China and spent a number of years working as missionaries in China. And more recently, they've moved to the States and they've settled in there from there originally uh, and with their kids. uh, But the the mission work continues and and Kim continues to mentor and develop leaders in in China and other parts of the world. And Dave has just recently taken on a role at uh, Georgetown University in Washington, D.C., speaking God's hope and life and grace into that place in in a Jesuit. Uh, college and so there's a great opportunity there for Dave but but just sitting down with Kim and Dave was just a great experience I love talking with missionaries and and one of the reasons that I love talking about is I get so inspired by them and one of the things that they expressed to me was just the especially the decision to leave Australia and go to China was was really around this this idea of wanting to radically follow Jesus wherever he may lead so they elevated Jesus They elevated him above all things. In the world's eyes, moving from Australia to China, when you've got kids in sort of later primary school, early teenage years, may not be the wisest thing to do, but that was God's call for them. And they elevated Jesus above all things, and that meant that they followed in that direction. And it's very clear. That's what it talks about in this passage. The supremacy of Christ. He is Lord of all. And for us, that might not mean that we uh, need to change our location. For some, it might, but not everyone. But I wonder what it means to radically follow Jesus for us today. Maybe in putting Lord, the Lord above all things, it means that we go and speak to our neighbours about Jesus. Maybe in putting Jesus above all things means we go and seek reconciliation with someone that we're in conflict with. And we don't know, we don't want to. It's going to be hard to do, but, but maybe that is the radical following of Jesus' place today for you. Maybe it's making an incredibly sacrificial gift of generosity to a need or a cause that you become aware of. And you're doing it because even though it's going to cost you, Jesus is Lord of all. He is above all things. So we need to elevate Jesus above all things. And the second thing that comes out of this passage is that we need to embrace our oneness in him. We need to embrace our oneness in him. This passage talks about how Jesus is the head of the body, the church. 
And so as Jesus is the head and as we are the body, we are designed to work together, to be in sync and in coordination and, and, and come together like this, not doing our own thing, not moving in our own direction, but becoming under him, under his direction, under his lead and his guidance. When I was younger, I had a speech impediment. I had some difficulty with uh, words that had the TH sound, the th sound, and also the S. I had some difficulties around that. And so when I was about seven, year, seven years old, I, I was taken off to a speech therapist. And for a, a good number of months, almost a year actually, I regularly went and saw this speech therapist who uh, made me do all these exercises. And I, I actually remember it as a really enjoyable time because I got out of school for starters and I'd never liked school much, so that was good. And there was lots of games that we played, so it was great fun for a little seven-year-old to go off to a speech therapist. And that speech therapist actually gave me a whole lot of exercises of needing to just practising different words and different sounds and all that sort of stuff. And he, he trained me how to say those words better. What was actually happening here is that my brain was telling my tongue to do some things in order to make the words out, but it wasn't, the message wasn't quite getting through. It wasn't working very well. But the speech therapist was able to rewire the brain and rewire that message in order that the message could come through. And almost always now, I have no problems getting those words out that have the T, the, 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 the th sound and also the S sound, almost always. Uh, sometimes I still struggle, especially on the bigger words. They stumble me from time to time. But Jesus is the Lord of all. He's, the supreme, he's supreme in all of this. And as his body, we need to be able to follow the messages that are coming from the head. But sometimes we get our wires crossed. We don't always hear as well as we should. And I want to speak particularly to anyone that is maybe finding themselves in situations or positions where they're, they're in a bit of conflict at the moment, or there's a bit of angst, a feeling towards others. And it might be feeling towards others in the church, or it might be towards others in your family, or it might be in your places of work or whatever. But there's this sort of conflict and this angst going on. And, and perhaps most of it is outside of your control. But I want to respectfully suggest that in these situations, often, not always, but often, there are some things that are in our control. And when it comes to an expression of unity, we need to sometimes do a bit of rewiring there. We need to come to Jesus and acknowledge what we've done to contribute to a situation. We need to seek his forgiveness and if appropriate, the forgiveness of those that we may have offended. That's the rewiring space. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, Peter is actually encouraging the believers to always be prepared to give an answer. Now, now he's encouraging, the context of this, is it's, it's got an evangelical basis to it. He's, he's encouraging them to be always uh, ready and prepared to give an answer to those who might want to question their faith. And he goes on to say, but do so always with gentleness and respect. And though our communication and our conversation and our relationships with those in the church and in our families and in our neighbourhoods, our places of work, may not always have that evangelical edge to it. I still think there is great truth here in this passage in how we are to communicate with others. Uh, 
with great gentleness and respect. You see, it's okay to have disagreement, but it's not okay to be disagreeable. In finishing up, as I reflect on this passage and I reflect on what does this look like in terms of a really healthy space? How is this happening really well at the moment? And my mind is actually drawn to our staff team. The staff team, you know, as the, I guess, a new, fairly new senior pastor five or so months into the role, I'm just so incredibly blessed, actually, to have the staff team that we have. And one of the things that I notice about our staff team, that yes, there is great diversity there. Different age ranges, genders, different personality types, different particular areas of passion and interest, especially around things of ministry and faith. Great diversity. From time to time, there's also disagreement. That's normal. That's natural. We're going to have particular areas of passion that may conflict at times with others. But what I love about this, this staff team, and, and I really want to honour them and affirm them today, is that they're not a people who are disagreeable. Yes, there's diversity. Yes, from time to time, there's disagreement. But we all have one thing that we are in raging agreement over, and that's the supremacy of Jesus. He is our Lord, and it's in him that we express our oneness together. My prayer today is that as it is for our staff team, so it would be for our church, So it would be for us in the context of our families and our places of work and even our neighbourhoods. Can I pray right now? Lord, we want to thank you for the Apostle Paul and his writings all those years ago to a small little church in Colossa that was just starting out. And yet just as those writings and those words of encouragement were so relevant for the Colossian church of that day, so they are for us too today. And so, Lord, we thank you for the wisdom that we find in your word. And, and Lord, I want to pray for us, for those of us particularly, that, that, that are maybe in the, a little bit of conflict or there's a bit of angst at the moment around some things. And we name and we recognise that the polarisation that's happening in broader society and that perhaps that can influence the way we think at times. But we also recognise that we, we need to come to you. We need to elevate you above all else. And we need to embrace the oneness that we have in you. And so, Lord, I pray for those of us for whom this is a challenge at the moment for whatever reason, perhaps for many reasons outside of their control, I pray that we would be able to come to that space, that healthy space, where even though we may have disagreements, even though there may be diversity, we're not becoming embittered. Instead, we're becoming a people that who, in spite of our differences, are able to come together in oneness around you. Thank you, Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we want to thank you for joining with us today. And also a thank you to Paul for his message, that affirmation that we are one in him. We pray this week uh, that's a blessed week for you. Thanks for joining us. See you next week.